Welcome to Paddling Adventures Radio. I'm Sean Rowley, and with me is Derek Specht. Yellow. And you know who's with Derek? Well, not with Derek, he's with both of us. No, he's just with you. <laughs> John Van Berger. Hey, John, how you doing, buddy? I'm doing great. How you guys doing? <laughs> good, good. Ah, <laughs> uh, too much fun before we actually start recording. And uh, so I'm going to start this week's uh, show off with something that happened here in Toronto recently. It has nothing to do with paddling. has absolutely nothing to do with paddling, but I came across this, and because it has to do with Toronto, I had to say it. <laughs> Banana Man, American Man Breaks World Record While Running as a Fruit. Melvin Nairo broke the record at the Toronto Marathon for running the fastest half marathon while dressed as a fruit. Some Twitter users posted photos saying, A banana is among the front runners in the Scotiabank Toronto Waterfront Marathon. He finished in one hour, 15 minutes, and 35 seconds. Yes, somebody already hold, held that record. Nairo, who ran as a Chiquita banana, beat out the previous record holder, Rob Lapensi, who ran as a bunch of grapes. I am thrilled to announce that I have accomplished my goal of breaking the Guinness World Record for running the fastest. And that is the state of the world. <laughs> <laughs> it's a really good time, though. <laughs> it may be a good time. Like it's impressive. I don't know if that is what floats your boat. If that's all it takes to make you ecstatic with your life is to dress up as a banana and do a half marathon, how bad can your life really be? <laughs> that's all I'm saying. <laughs> He's getting his 15 minutes of fame. He is as a banana. Mm. A Chiquita banana. <laughs> oh, sorry. Had to. I came across that one while I was doing some research this week. I'm looking just, at pictures now. It's hilarious. Yeah. Dude, it's a Chiquita banana. Now, if he, he was it, eating a banana hot. Like, while running a, as a banana, it's a banana. Suit. Yeah, I know, eh? right? So, was that to make well, a can of banana? Can of banana? Can of banana? Cannibal banana? <laughs> so my like question a, is: is if this is a category for runners, I mean, there's got to be a. I mean, you know, the fastest furry in the event. I mean, there's got to be a lot yeah. of well, bars. They do have uh, pace people at many marathons and so you pick the, the whatever you know your pace is and mm -hmm. so if the pace person is going to be in a bunny suit and <laughs> if you're if you know that you can run a time of two and a half hours for a half marathon and that bunny is labeled two and a half hours then you follow the bunny and it keeps you on pace wow they do this <laughs> it's a thing well apparently this chiquita <laughs> banana dude was right near the front at some point yeah but, yeah. What was his time again? One twenty-five. One fifteen thirty-five. One fifty-three for a half marathon. Yeah, I don't know for marathons, man. All I know is that I came across this and I couldn't believe that he was ecstatic that he beat the record held by a bunch of grapes. <laughs> <laughs> I am sewing my blueberry costume now, <laughs> and I am taking up running. See you all next year. <laughs> anyway, what's new, guys? What's happening? Anything exciting? Yeah, winter's coming. And I have got possibly one canoe trip left. Yes. One last canoe trip of the season this coming weekend. I was almost going to have one left. Almost? Yeah, I, I was going to try and join uh, Mike and Scott. At, uh, they're going camping on first weekend of November. Where? Uh, I don't know, somewheres. 
in a campground. <laughs> it's, it's a closed park. A so camping place. Say. <laughs> oh, it's a closed park. Sounds fantastic. All right. Good times. <laughs> but you're not going. No, no, I decided not to go. It's uh, <laughs> The kids keep complaining that I keep camping without them and this, that, the other thing. And so take them. They'll freeze their butts off Absolutely. once and never want to go again. <laughs> hey, who wants to go camping? No. <laughs> uh, now, I've got one last uh, canoe trip left. Um, the Barren Canyon on the east side of Algonquin Park. Oh, are you going? Yep. Yeah. Yep. Uh, I got asked to go. Uh, there was a few people going up and they say, hey, why doesn't Sean come along with us? Turns out Sean's going to be the ride. <laughs> uh, a couple of canoes on the truck yeah. and, I mean... It's a big truck, right? So, so is this the uh, the Marcus Rubino? Uh... No. Oh, no. No, I haven't, I haven't. I think that got canceled, didn't it? I don't know. I haven't... No, no, that was uh, last weekend. Was it? Okay. Yeah, yeah, this past weekend that uh, happened. That No, that happened. Uh, that was on uh, Rock Lake in Algonquin. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah we're okay. going farther over. Mm-hmm. Have you ever been to Barron Canyon in Algonquin there, John? I have not. My, have you ever my, been my, to only trip, my only trip up to Algonquin was this last, um, was it, I guess, spring with Camper Christina. Oh, did the winter so, camping thing? Yeah, yeah. Right. So I've not, um, I've not had a chance to explore much of it. Well, the Barren Canyon is on the east side of Algonquin. It's roundabout way to get to it because, like, most people from Ottawa, Pembroke, Petawawa side go go more than people from Toronto. Mm-hmm. Uh, it doesn't join the the Highway sixty corridor at all. The canyon itself is about two kilometers long and it spots hundred meter high cliffs. What's meters and feet? Is that three? Three feet to a meter. So yeah, approximately. Three, yeah, approximately 300 feet high in nice. spots. Uh, it's not very wide across at all. Uh, and at the top, there's a one and a half kilometer trail. So I've been on day trips there where you paddle. You, If you park at one, there's one spot, Squirrel Rapids, you can park. Um, paddle up the river. You do one little short portage. And then you paddle all the way through the canyon. And then you come back, you get back to your vehicle, and then you drive up a little ways, and you actually can get out and walk this one and a half kilometer trail at the top of the canyon. So you're actually, at one time, you're paddling through the canyon, and then when you do the trail, you're looking down 300 feet where you just paddled, which is really cool. Mm -hmm. It's a nice area. It's really scenic. Yeah, it's totally different than the rest of the park, that's for sure. Uh, I know there's this whole Ice Age rocks tectonic plate thing going on over there <laughs> if you want to get more into uh, the scientific side of it all. But it's it's a canyon. Um, there are, I've paddled paddled it a few times. Uh, different, you can come through from either way. Uh, there's a lot of lakes that you, on the north side of it that you can get to and do different camping routes, different canoe routes through there, which you were with me the one time we did that, Yeah, Yep, I remember doing the hike up to the uh, top of the ridge. Yeah. Um, did, and we, we set up at one point on that, tri- I think it was that trip, where we had us hold a white sheet of paper. Did you ever use that? You're going to add slogans yes. or something yeah. to it. Did you ever use yeah, it? Yeah, I sent Tracy a message because I wrote on the paper. Yeah, I was standing at the edge of a cliff. And because Tracy had told them, don't let Sean do anything stupid. So I'm standing right on the edge of the cliff holding this white piece of paper. And then when I got back, said Tracy said not to let Sean do anything stupid. And here he is at the edge of a cliff standing. <laughs> so, yeah, and then I sent that to her. Uh, it didn't go over as well as I thought it was. I thought it was funny. She apparently didn't. But, you know, that's their job. That's the job of the wife is to, 
tell you you're stupid. And uh, yeah, so we've been down there. We did some bass fishing down there. Now I hear there's trout down that way as well. I've never yeah. actually seen any, but apparently people say they catch some trout and stuff. At one time I was told there was Arctic char down there, but that's hooey. Uh, there's like chubs and shiners and some bigger ones, but yeah, mostly bass. Um, very relaxing day because you can actually either just drift through, you know, or paddle through nicely. We went there, my father-in-law, my brother-in-law, my son, Mackenzie, and I, Mackenzie was young at the time. We went up that way camping. And if you've ever seen a massive rainstorm come down a canyon and you are holding on to the side of the canyon... <laughs> Because there is nowhere to go. Mm -hmm. It is so awesome because all you see is this wall of water coming at you, like the rain. Mm -hmm. And yeah, there's just big rain wall coming right at you and then right over top of you. Cool. And then you just get soaked. Um, <laughs> yeah, there was nowhere to go. So you're just holding on, wait for it to hit you. And then you turn around and go back to your tent sort of thing. <laughs> uh, the biggest thing about this barren canyon is white mountain saxifrage 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 it's a plant oh. a rare plant found in the barren canyon the nearest other place to find it is on the north shore superior because it's actually an arctic plant yeah hmm. yeah it, it, it's something that's found there i think it has it has to do something with how chilly it gets down there and oh yeah Oh, yeah, there's. I've been to that park on the North Shore of Superior where that's in. You you can kind of hike out there, and it, yeah, the canyon uh, dips down and doesn't get sun in there. So yeah, um, yeah, cool. Yeah, so this is this is there as well. Uh, so yeah, I'm I'm looking forward to. I've never been there this late in the season. I'm usually there in the summer. Uh, where you can just nice do nice relaxing, and then there's waterfalls there, and some you can go swimming and whatnot, and. Uh, this is going to be a bit different, and uh, yeah, I'm, I'm really looking forward to it. should be the last big camping trip of the season, I think. Oh, yeah? But yeah, mm. well, we'll see. We'll see. I always say it's the last canoe trip of the season, and <laughs> there's always another one springs up somewhere along the lines. Uh, if you ever get the chance to get to Barron Canyon in Algonquin Park, definitely do it. There's the, you can go up, there, there's so many different routes to get into it. Uh, the easiest route is park at Squirrel Rapids, and then go north, just north, there's, like I say, there's a small portage across over, and then there's a bunch of interior campsites. So you can set up there, and then you get into the canyon proper itself, and you can do all different routes. You can go up to Bright, uh, sorry, Brigham Chute, and, which is a nice waterfall, and you can do some route uh, circles and stuff, hit different lakes, and then come back down through the canyon and uh, back to your campsite. Or you can go the complete other way, and uh, there's sites down in, into there as well. Uh, if you go far enough, you'll hit uh, Stratton and Grand Lake and Ashray. Um, Ashray or Acre? Depends. <laughs> depends on if you tomato, say it tomato. or if anybody else says no, it. No, I've, I've heard it both ways. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I think Ashray is... Um, it's, it's an ashtray? An ashtray. Ashray. A-C-H-R-A-Y. <laughs> uh, I've heard it both ways. Uh, I think... There is a old ranger hut there called the Dewdrop Inn. I've never heard of it. Something like that. Uh, Tom Thompson painted a sign for it. Oh, yeah? I'm sure that's where it was. The Jack Pine, his famous painting, the Jack Pines over that way. 
uh, or was because somebody cut it down apparently. No way. Yeah. Oh yeah. This is ancient history. Gee. Uh, but yeah, there's so much to do at that side, but because it's so far from Toronto to get around to it, uh, not much people, uh, hit it from this way. So it only gets the, the local, a lot of local stuff or people that are looking for that longer trip out that way. So, but if you ever get the chance, even to Google, Google Barron Canyon, uh, and Algonquin Park, and you'll see some photos of it and yeah, you'll want to go there. And it's not Baron, it's Baron with an Baron, B A R R O N, as in a land Baron. Yeah. yeah, with an extra R. Uh, yeah, check it out and uh, go uh, go hit it up. Um, fishing, Derek. Fishing, Derek. Fishing, Derek. It's like an oil, Derek. But you, <laughs> <laughs> you went fishing last weekend. I did. It was a really good weekend. Tell us about it. That's my story. It was a good weekend. It was a good weekend. That's it. <laughs> On next week's show. Moving right along. <laughs> <laughs> right along. Nice segue. <laughs> no, I was uh, John uh, Babulik. Uh, I always say his name wrong. Babulik. Babulik. Babul. Babulik. Babulik. Anyways, uh, he invited me along to join him on a fishing weekend up uh, up north, Tomogamy, and uh, it was uh, it was sort of a, it's what do you call it? A, it's a hosted trip, and he uh, I've he's heard me complain often about uh, I, that I don't have a clue what, when it comes to fishing, and I just kind of throw the lure in the water and hope for the best type thing. So it was a it was sort of a learning weekend. It was uh, I got up there and. Uh, I got to learn some techniques of uh, where and how and the whys and hows of where trout kind of stay hidden in lakes and how to find them, how to better catch them and stuff like that. So it was, uh, it, so that's how it was, it was sold to me. And I was like, <laughs> I'm up for that. And it was <laughs> not in a canoe though. Well, actually it was in a canoe. I brought the kayak that he built and I bought from him, but uh, it stayed on the roof of the car the whole weekend. He had a whole bunch of uh, his canoes that he built, so I uh, I rode in that, and uh, so it was, uh, it, we kind of tandem most of the time, right? A couple right. of guys were solo, but, so I just, uh, I fished with him, I fished with his uh, buddy Keith, and I fished with his dad. Okay, so which I've met his dad. Nice guy, really yeah. nice guy. I met him at uh, the um, night at the lift locks. Oh yeah, yeah, he was cool. there. Yeah. yeah, yeah, like one heck of a history. Like he's a fascinating man. Yeah, like he's on his like his fourth or fifth career, and he's like successful as every one of them. He's a he's a very fascinating man. Mm. So, anyways, I, I got up there on the uh, so I got up there on the Friday. Left early Friday morning. Took the day off work. And uh, they had gone out uh, fishing on the Friday morning. That caught a couple. He showed me pictures. He, he set them back, but it was a couple of huge trout. Yeah. And uh, it uh, it was. Uh, I got up there around three thirty, four o'clock. A uh, little bit of a meet and greet, and then we uh, went out fishing on the with the local lake. And uh, he showed me how to. He he modifies his lures and stuff, so it's really cool. I'm. I'm glad he showed me that it's a, some really neat stuff he taught me and uh i uh caught a fish that night it wasn't very big it was uh i don't know eight inches long or so so it was a nice little trout okay and uh so it was uh and now let me clarify something Just with, say clarify that it was more little than nice <laughs> <laughs> no clarify because of the season oh, so okay. The uh, M&R, they stock lakes, and they keep a list of all the lakes that they stock on their website, on the government, on the gc.ca website. 
So currently trout is not in season, but there's exempt lakes. The lakes that are, are, uh, are stocked. So they go in, fly in, fish, or bring them in, pick up truck, and they dump trout in all these lakes, right? All the fish fry. Right. Anyways, the lakes that they stock, there's a list of them that are exempt from the, uh, the, the normal seasons. So it's okay. a Because that's one of the questions that I had. I said, yeah, me too. trout, like if you go by the Ontario fishing regulations. Yes. Yeah. Season's closed. There, yeah, some there's uh, depending on some types of like the splake, I think is open all year round. Yeah, but, but uh, lake trout, brook trout, some of them end September 30th, some November 15th, depending on the on the uh, species of trout. But uh, on these stocked lakes, they it lists them right on the website that this is exempt from the uh, normal seasons for for fish, right? Okay. So, and another thing I learned that was interesting is uh, this time of year because they're spawning. You uh, you don't want to eat the spawning trout because the the meat tastes like mud. Mm, yeah. So it's the smaller non-spawning trout that you would want to eat. Right. Not the larger ones. He says you, you just don't want to eat the larger ones. They just it, the meat doesn't taste any good this time of year. It's just because of spawning and yeah. whatever. So, but there's a lot of interesting stuff that I learned. It was uh, it was uh, it was like super interesting. It was, uh, and, and there's a lot of stuff that uh, I, I think that he went over that I knew, but there's so many things that it's like, well, it's like he's talking in a different language, right? Were you so, doing a lot of trolling or what? Yeah, there's a lot of trolling, all kinds of, we tried all kinds of different techniques. He, show, he showed me a lot of stuff. So it was fantastic, this uh, this hosted trip that he does. It was uh, it was well worth it. We So Friday I did some fishing. Uh, Saturday we got out uh, on uh, two different lakes and uh, did some more trolling, some fishing and stuff like that. And so it was a, it was a really good weekend. A lot of, I, I didn't find much success myself. It was, it was, uh, so the fish were biting on the Friday morning. Like they were just hauling them in and releasing them and stuff. But then on Saturday and Sunday, pretty much everybody was getting skunked, right? Like it well, was weekend. They were all off. <laughs> I know, <laughs> but they had some portable fish finders and you, I, you could see the fish on the fish finder. They're yep. there. And you could see it, the fish finder was showing this fish by size and everything. So there was a lot of big fish there, but they just weren't biting. I've done that before. I have I bought a fish finder. I always wanted a fish finder. Mm-hmm. So I bought one, hooked it up to my canoe. My brother and I did a 18-day trip in yeah. northern Ontario. Yeah. And, yeah, you could mark the fish. Yeah. On, like, on certain days, you'd be marking them left, right, and center yeah. and not catch a thing. Mm-hmm. And then other days, you're marking them and just reeling them in yeah. nonstop, yeah. right? And you're just like, why, like, what's the difference between one day? Yeah, yeah. You just don't know. Yeah. You know, mm-hmm. so. So did you get to eat any fish? Yes. So it was, uh, so the, so his, his buddy Kevin was there. So the, the, there's a whole story here. It's, so his buddy Kevin was hunting as well. So he had his, uh, he has a brand new shotgun with him. And uh, so we, he got some, we got some fresh grouse. We caught some trout, which we, one of the new guys, uh, so we, a couple of the other guys that were uh, invited were uh, people that bought his boats. Okay. And so there was a couple of young guys, one guy, I can't remember where they're from, but uh, so they were there too. So it was neat to see all these uh, canvas over. Uh, skin on frame skin canoes. Skin on frame canoes. Yeah. So it was, uh, it was, so all these canoes were in and, in and around. And so they, uh, they caught some, caught some trout and. Uh, John and and Keith caught some trout, and uh, so we had a on on the Saturday night, they uh, they brought this uh, 
propane fired uh, deep fat fryer. Oh, okay. And so we had, they had a couple five pound bags of potatoes. So we had French fries, deep fried battered uh, trout, and deep fried battered uh, par- or grouse. Hmm. Wow. <laughs> Quite the cook up. It was awesome. It was super <laughs> awesome. <laughs> wow. So you've learned some tips and tricks. I did. To catch. Yeah. I'm going to go slay some, some trout now. You had your chance. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> but yeah. it's it's interesting to the, the some of the techniques that he taught me. If you, anybody wants to learn them, they'll have to go to go to John on one of his hosted trips. But uh, I, I, there's a few things that I just I just I knew some, but I most of the stuff that he was teaching me, I had no clue that this was a thing, right? Yeah. So it, it was really neat. It was really interesting, and and now I've got a little bit more, a few more tools in my fishing tool belt, right? Some stuff to practice with, try, you know. Yeah. You know what? Like my brother was, I was never big into trout fishing. I was always going after the, the big pike and bass okay, yeah, and all yeah. that sort of stuff. And then we went up to Bice Lake in Algonquin and um, we were out in the boat like first thing in the morning till like after dark. Mm-hmm. And he's showing us all these little tips and tricks and, yeah. you know, even for how to paddle and... um you know, when you're trolling across a lake, he's like, oh, we got to do some crazy Ivans now. Yeah. And basically, because you've got your um, pole out to the side trolling way back with a spoon, right? Like we use little Cleos. Yeah. And you got that way back there. And then you're paddling straight at a certain speed. And then all of a sudden you quickly turn. Yeah. Really fast. So one side lure it starts wobbling down to the bottom yeah. and the other one picks up massive speed. Ah. And then when you turn back, it's just the opposite mm-hmm. and it sparks. Huh? You know, if there's any fish nearby, it, it's like, whoa, what's that? It mm-hmm. grabs their attention sort of deal. <laughs> and if you do it right and their fish are close enough and all that, sometimes they'll bite just out of aggression. Yeah. Right. So yeah, you, you start doing that and then it grabs their attention. They start following. And next thing you know, you're getting these little, exactly, little yeah. hits and yeah. you have to, you learn how far out to have your line you, you learn the difference between real estate and actual fish nibbles yes know? yes um i learned that <laughs> that's hey did you get a fish no i got real estate yeah, yeah. so <laughs> yeah we got to turn around because i got a snag um but yeah all that sort of stuff you you pick up all the little tips all the little tricks yeah you know where to put your your weights on the line like a foot and a half up mm-hmm. above the above your spoon so it yeah. weighs down, but your spoon still comes out behind, straight, exactly. straight yeah. back from yeah. that, right? So it gets it, it gets it down there at least and uh, close to the bottom, that sort of thing. So yeah, you pick all those little mm-hmm. tips up and you just got to remember them when you're out there. Exactly. Right? Yeah. Um, I was kind of hoping you'd be in the kayak doing it because I'd be interested. There's just something about trying to land a fish in a kayak? In a kayak. I don't think it would have been a problem just because the, the cockpit of the kayak is, is rather large. I'd have yeah. to land the, the fish into my lap. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, it's... And I, see, I'm going to oh. be the one that that fish is flopping around <laughs> and all of a sudden one barb is in my leg, the other is in the fish. <laughs> yeah. And he's doing the funky chicken on my lap. I'm not going to be happy. <laughs> I'll be catching one fish and calling yeah. it a day. <laughs> Now, what if you catch something massive, like, you know, like a three-foot pike? 
Or a grouper or something. Yeah, or a grouper. <laughs> <laughs> it's a 300-pound grouper. What do I do? Yeah. I just throw my, my rod right over. I'll buy a new one later. <laughs> I didn't like this one anyway. Yeah, I was, was kind of interested in see how he's going to teach it. And when you're in a kayak fishing, yeah, I mean, you got the two paddles, right? Yeah. And later the two blades. And how do you prop your rod? And uh, how do you paddle at the same time? That'd be tough. So yeah. I, I I was thinking about that when we we're doing when we we're fishing. It um, you they they all had these uh, fishing rod holders like downrigger yeah. type things. So you just have to mount that in the hatch combing of the kayak, and it just the rod just sits there, right? So oh. it, like most of the time when they they were when we were trolling, the fish rod was just sitting in the downrigger or the fish rod holder. And uh, you just paddled along and uh, at a slow pace, and and uh, the thing was almost horizontal, hanging off the side of the boat. So you just have to watch for the uh, for the tip of the rod to start bouncing. Yeah, but see, when you're in a canoe, if your rod is hanging off the right, yes, you're paddling off the left. Correct. Yeah, but so in a kayak, would, yeah, so you'd uh, you'd be a little bit more have to be a little bit more careful. So if you put the rod far enough forward, you just paddle in behind the rod, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. No, I, then, I was thinking about the logistics of that too. When you're it? trying to reel in, what do you do with the paddle? What do you it? do with your paddle? Because I know mine's going right over the side. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, <laughs> John. There's some there's some clips that you can get that will like uh, hook onto your combing, so you can just pop that on there. Yeah. Um, right. You know, so yeah, so you don't have to worry about uh, losing that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> That's the other thing where you know I know a lot of people don't like them, but I like having a paddle leash. Um, but I, that's more for when I'm out taking pictures or something. Cause you yes. know, when you're focused on whatever you're shooting the photo of, it's very easy for that paddle just to sort of drift off. And, uh, so I'll have a, I have a, a North water paddle leash, a, like a coiled paddle leash oh, okay. and keep yeah, that yeah. on there. Yeah. And, uh, I love that, but you know. Yeah. I know when I was doing the photos out at center Island there with, uh, with, uh, Alan Drummond, um, I would tuck like sort of lift the bottom of my life jacket up mm-hmm. and out and then tuck it my, okay, my, yeah. right against the, the middle of my paddle, right against yeah. my belly and then trap it there with my, with the life jacket, with my life jacket. Yeah. you know, yeah. sometimes it works, sometimes it didn't, mm-hmm. but you know, and then, yeah, if, if all of a sudden it starts moving, yeah, you know, you're going to be SOL because you're kayak paddles <laughs> 20 feet behind. <laughs> right. Yeah. When we were on the, uh, and I was on the trip on the Spanish River this summer, so we were just down below it. We had just come through a set of rapids, and below each set of rapids, we tried to do a little bit of fishing, right? And uh, Martin Garster was—he's uh, in the stern, he's doing a little bit of fishing, and the current from the rapids just started to twist the canoe a bit. So he plops his fishing rod down across the gunnels of the canoe. He goes to plant the paddle in the water to to shift the nose back into the current, and he said the rod just at speed ejected itself right off the side of the boat he said there had to be a huge fish on it because it just it just flew off the boat oh, and yeah. we're we we're in like only six feet of water where we could never find it so the oh. fish must have hauled it off somewheres but he said that the way it just disappeared it's just zip it's like oh <laughs> yeah and see when i'm in a canoe i use i usually have like the the bottom handle of the fishing rod by my foot Okay. And then what the bottom eyelet 
is usually against the gunnel. So if oh, it yeah, it's hooked so a little tiny bit. It's not moving, yeah. right? I do yeah. that a lot yeah. too. Yeah. Yeah, just to make sure. So yeah. now you do fishing from the kayak, right? Right, John? Nope. Um, not at all. I don't, no, no. I uh, <laughs> well, the last I guess the last time I fished was probably 2013. Oh yeah! Wow. Yeah, I think so. Yeah. So wow. you just, you, what do you, how do you do then? You just use explosives instead of fishing? <laughs> you, know, you know, my my dad did that actually once. <laughs> <laughs> they, they had a they had a, oh god it was a it was a flying trip someplace and they made they took some M80s and they made a little pipe bomb, and oh. so this is going back probably in the 1950s 1960s right. And they went out and they could see the fish down in the I'm crystal clear, you know, stream at the edge of this lake. And they could see the, the, the fish down there. And so they took and they got this thing lit and they threw it out and it went down and boom, you know, it went off and everything. And as soon as things kind of cleared and they looked down there, they saw all the fish down there, but they were lying on their sides on the bottom. Oh, they don't so they, 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 float like they're supposed to. Right. And so he said, we're sitting there and we're like, well, not, well, how do we get them, you know? And, and, uh, pretty soon they just, it, the explosion had stunned them. So pretty soon he said, you started seeing the, the tails twitch and then they would just swim off. <laughs> so disappointed. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. He's, he's done a lot of, uh, shall we say interesting things. Uh, yeah. Um, has he done anything interesting, like slice fingers open? Uh, yes. <laughs> <laughs> Not sure what you're talking about, but uh, so, I'll, I'll ask him. I'll ask him. So there was a recent event, John, that you were at. You, I did go to an event, yes. Do you want to you tell want us what happened? I, I'll tell you about the event. It was a pretty great event. What happened to your hand, John? <laughs> <laughs> Let me tell you John's about the John's doing event his own first. little fishing expedition here. <laughs> yeah. What happened to your fingers, John? So... I got invited to go up to um, the Wild and Scenic Film Fest um, yes. up in Solon Springs, which is in northern Wisconsin. Okay. And it's a, it's a little town of about 600 people, but a lot of outdoors enthusiasts will know about it because that's where Snow Trekker Tents is based. Oh. So they were a sponsor of this film fest, and uh, Dwayne and Margot, who own Snow Trekker, uh, or I, you know, I should say who are Snow Trekker, right? Um, they invited us to, to go up there, and and uh, so so it was a you know kind of a cool thing, and it was a for an educational foundation for the high school, and so you know very opposite from going to something like the Outdoor Adventure Show or you know in Toronto or Canucopia or something, and this is a just a, a cool small town event, and um, the booth next to me had the high school fishing club, which was pretty great. It's like. <laughs> Small you know? place. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you know, and that's rural Wisconsin, and uh, that's pretty cool. And then on the other side was the, I think the warming hut had uh, had a booth, a lot of ski stuff out. So it was it was a you know kind of a neat little event, and they had it in a this beautiful facility called uh, the atrium, and it was a this couple bought it, and they were former wedding photographers. And so they made a um, like an events center out of it, so people can have their weddings there. And they they took this greenhouse and they um, renovated it, and it's just this gorgeous facility. So we went up there, and uh, they 
uh, we showed the Yukon Journey music video before the Wild and Scenic Film Fest started and got to talk to people a little bit about that and the charity involved with that and uh, what we're going to be doing with it this next year. Right. And uh, yeah. it was a great night. Cool. Yeah. The entire night was great? <laughs> the bulk of it. <laughs> so I, I heard, I saw pictures. Pictures, yeah. It, it was, was all great. The whole night was the great. The whole night was great. Yes. Right up until? About 3.30 in the afternoon before the event started. <laughs> it was a honey badger. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I so, got attacked by a badger. So the hand that you injured, is it the same hand that you, I, you what was it, you slammed a toilet seat and broke a finger or something? <laughs> or how, how did you do that? This is, you know, this has not got anything to do with a toilet, first of all. Okay, so you didn't cut your hand on a toilet seat? No, I did not. Either time. You broke the finger on the toilet seat, <laughs> but the hand you sliced open with a peanut butter and jelly sandwich knife or something? No, no, that uh, that wasn't the case either. It was it was a rabid badger. I was out walking in the woods before it started. It a honey attacked badger? me. It was a well, honey you know, Wisconsin's badger. The, Wisconsin's the badger state, you know, and uh, it attacked me and I, I fought back and, and it, it, it and, got and the, the badger won. Finger. Yeah. <laughs> that's yeah. exactly what happened yeah yeah i believe you where millions wouldn't <laughs> i reached into a bag of chips and there was a very sharp chip and it sliced my finger open so you 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 cut your fingers open on a on a photo yeah uh, a frame was, of all things right just a completely you know um Random complete range. fluke. Yeah. Just, I was wiping off the, the frame and I had my hand around behind it and there was one of those little metal clips and it just sliced two of my fingers, just sliced them right open. Now, lucky for you. Mm-hmm. And this, just the only reason I'm harping on this is because of <laughs> what the outdoor kind is all about. <laughs> yeah. There's, is there's first a whole lot of irony here. Yeah. yeah no, a, to make fun of you. Right. Absolutely. <laughs> B to make fun of you. <laughs> uh, the outdoor kind is big into first responders. Right, right. We do a lot of work to support first responders. And uh, we talk about the need for emergency kits and also first aid kits. Yeah. So yeah. you were a first aid demo at the show. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> uh, yeah. I, uh, yeah, they a lot of the uh, the fire department, a lot of members of the fire department were there. You know, they're active in the community, and and so they were out supporting this. And so when I talked to uh, some people there, they said, "Oh yeah, well, so and so is a first responder, and they're a first responder, and they're you know." And I was like, "Great!" And I, I cleaned it up, and I thought I'd be okay. And and uh, I said hello to one of the first responders as I was walking back in, and. And I went back over to my booth and I kind of opened it up a little bit and it was just bleeding all over. And so, uh, so this first responder, uh, Krista uh, Martineau, uh, came over and, and helped me patch me up. And so it was, <laughs> you know, <laughs> it was, I was really glad she was there. See, and that is exactly what first response responders are for. Absolutely. To be the first ones on the scene yeah. yep. when you need them. Yeah. For yeah, medical I mean, emergencies. Right. And incredibly stupid things like, yes. you know, slicing open your fingers. See, this is the thing that, you know, I can go out in the wilderness and this kind of stuff doesn't happen. But, 
you know, I break my finger on a, a door handle. I slice my finger open on a picture frame. I just need to stay outside all the time. Well, they say most accidents happen within a mile of your house. That's yeah. what they say. See? Well, this, <laughs> well, this is a, a, you know, a little, you know, about three hours north, but your yeah. point's taken. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, that's pretty cool though that you, I mean, like I say, you, you deal with first responders and you happen to be surrounded by them that's when you right. mostly needed them. That's right. Well, Chris, Krista was awesome. Uh, like she, you know, she, we, we ended up having to pack it up three different times because it was bleeding so much. And I finally <laughs> ended up going into, into the emergency room. But, um, you know, it, the other thing that was so cool about this, and I'll, I'll get back and tell you what Krista said about this, but the other thing that was so cool was the people up there, um, Krista, who I didn't know, you know, I'd never met before, um, the principal of the high school, and, and her name escapes me now, I'd never met before, and then Margo from, from Snow Tracker, who I, you know, have met but don't know well, the three of them started just breaking down my booth and, and packing up everything so so I wouldn't have to do it, you know, with, with the hand. And so it's they're just giving cool. you a bum rush out of there. <laughs> Help pack this guy up, get him out. Here <laughs> He's I thought a liability. They were- that's right. I thought they were being nice. I guess they're just trying to get rid of the bloodborne pathogens. <laughs> but that's oh, awesome I've, that they're like the the, the helpfulness, the, the support. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, small town, right? Yes, and, exactly. And, you know, so that was cool. But Krista, now Krista looked at it and she said, she said, that is the worst thing I've ever seen. And this is, <laughs> this is after car crashes and gunshot wounds and explosions um, I don't know if you saw the news, they had a, a, a mini zombie apocalypse up there and yet this was the worst thing she's ever seen. Wow. Yeah. Good job, man. Wow. Yeah. Thank you. Go See? big or go home, man. <laughs> or go big, then go home. And I'm, I'm not exaggerating this at all. And <laughs> <laughs> Peanut butter and jelly knife. Yeah. <laughs> but the, yeah, I, I can't say enough. I can't thank Krista enough for that because you know, she, she was so helpful and, and went down to the, when I went to the emergency room, the doc's like, yeah, she did good work. And, you know, so, um, yeah, so I, I get to go get the stitches out in a, I don't know, a week or so and I'll be good again. Well, they just didn't want you to die right there. <laughs> they wanted to stitch you enough that you'd like leave the building yeah. and then die on your way home yeah. or something. You can be yeah, a liability on somebody else's yeah, time. Somebody else's dime. Yeah, there's a lot of paperwork to fill out when someone dies yeah. in the facility. They're all sitting around the bar at the later going, whew, that was a close one. <laughs> we need <laughs> to save on that one. <laughs> <laughs> Couldn't get him out of there fast enough. Dodged That's bullet. right. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So that was my night. Excellent. Yeah, your, your fingers are doing well, though? Uh, yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah, it's, it's fine. They'll they'll be fine. It's just, you know, get some stitches and, and uh, yeah. It'll be fine. Cool. Because yeah. you are on your way this weekend to mm-hmm. Minnesota. Yeah. I'm going up to the uh, the big winter camping uh, symposium up there. It's a four-day event. There are, well, what is it? I guess it's the 21st annual event. Right. And so, uh, yeah, but this is a big event. Very cool event. Sturgeon Lake, Minnesota. Mm-hmm. And yep. now we have our winter camping symposium here in, in, uh, Waterloo. Uh, this is going to be what the third or second, third. I think it's the fourth, fourth? Is it the fourth already. I don't know. We'll anyway, there's it. been a few of them. Uh, yeah. we have it here and it's all presenters. 
So you sit there and people stand up front and they give a presentation on different things to do with winter camping. Yep. But the one in that you're going to in Minnesota, Mm -hmm. that's more a hands-on based type of show. Yeah. They'll have some, um, you know, they'll have some presentations there. I'll be doing, uh, the four season emergency kit there and, and actually in, in, uh, at the Ontario one as well. But there's a lot of hands-on things here. So it's, you know, about making snowshoes and knife sharpening. And you can uh, sign up to go out and, you know, hike through the woods to find materials to make uh, tea and coffee. And, you know, it's a, it's a pretty, uh, pretty diverse, very, has a very um, strong dose of, like, bushcraft skills in it, too. Right. And so there's a lot of really, um, really cool, really knowledgeable people that are going to be there. Uh, Kevin Callen's going to be there from what I understand. Yeah. Yeah. I think Kevin is giving one of the evening's keynote addresses, which is really cool. Right. Uh, Kevin, Kevin's got the, uh, his winter camping book is, is phenomenal. Oh yeah. And so, you know, so he'll be, uh, I'm sure he'll be talking about that and, and selling some of those there. And, uh, who else is, uh, well, Snow Trekker is going to be there. Dwayne and Margo are going to be over there at that one. Uh, Sam Larson, who was one of the winners of Alone. Right. He uh, won uh, Mongolia, didn't he? Yep. The whole yeah. country of Nagoya, Mongolia. Yeah, he, won, he won Mongolia. <laughs> it was a big prize this year. Yeah. <laughs> With all the snakes. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, he's founded apparently a company called Woodsong, a, a wilderness education company. So it'll be interesting to see what he's doing with that. Cool. So um, there's lots of things to learn at this one then. Yeah. Yeah. There's, you know, and the, you know, the cool thing about it is that it's, there's going to be a lot of, uh, manufacturers there. So in addition to like snow trekker, uh, four dog stoves is going to be there. Okay. And, uh, Don, I think his last name is pronounced Cavilius is, uh, he makes these amazing, uh, titanium tent stoves. So for, you know, for like your canvas tent, right. Your hot, your hot tent. And he makes these really lightweight stoves. Huh. And I think I think that was uh, Jim Baird took one of those out on his, uh, I think his Baffin Island expedition with Buck. Okay, it's I not think. the G stove. No, that's no. stainless steel and that's yeah. heavy. Yeah, yeah, that was a heavy one, yeah. Yeah, these are really, uh, really lightweight. lightweight stoves. Yeah, and uh, so i kind of interested in checking those out and... And so there's, you know, there's manufacturers of, of, you know, anoraks and all kinds of different, you know, cool, cool gear. So it should be pretty fun. It sounds like it will be. So yeah, yeah when you come back, you'll have to uh, tell us what it was like. Yeah. Yeah. I'm, I'm get to, uh, I'll speak on, what time is it? One uh, forty-five on Saturday, if anyone's in the area. And I'll be talking about the, you know, the four season version of the uh, Oh Shit kit. Yeah. And I can talk even in more depth about the need for a, a first aid kit now. <laughs> Demonstrations. <laughs> That's right. I'm, I'm not taking any photos to hang in the booth this time. Oh. <laughs> Swearing off sharp objects for a while as well, just to be safe. Wearing gloves. <laughs> Wearing, yeah, that's there you right. Go. <laughs> Big mittens. Uh, so, yeah, so it's, uh, it, it should be a fun event. Is there tickets for this available still? Yeah, there are. Uh, you can go in. I think the registration is is open online uh, right now. But there's also like day, like a day pass, so you can okay. go in for. I think uh, like a Saturday day pass or something is like fifteen dollars. So a lot of people will come out and just go. You know, on on if you can't get the time, they'll go out 
take a look at the tents and stoves and gear and and uh, some of the presentations and uh, there's going to be a band that night and then you know and then they'll head on home and and the rest of us will stay out and and uh, winter camp awesome oh, okay yeah so you're camping there and yeah overnight too. Yeah. that's cool yeah but it does yeah i was kind of hoping we'd get some snow but i, it, the, nah, I don't it's think only the, october yeah, I don't <laughs> think it's gonna, still early. Still early. I don't think it's going to help us this year. No, no, no not yet. No. <laughs> now, after Minnesota, you're heading over to Maine to L.L. Yeah. Bean in Maine. Uh, yes. Free, Freeport? No. Freeport, Maine. Yeah, Freeport. Yeah. yeah. Freeport, Maine, and it's it their paddling center. the The site of their paddling center is uh, they're hosting a wilderness first responder course. Now, wilderness first responder, not to be confused with wilderness first aid. Yeah. The first responder course is, is made for like uh, guides for, you know, people who are environments where, you know, more backcountry where, you know, you might come upon somebody or, or if you're, you know, taking a group out someplace and something happens to somebody. Um, it's, it's, a, it's a longer, it's a more intensive class. Okay. I think the normal the normal version of this class is like I want to say nine or ten days. This is a you know an eight in the morning till six at night um, online work before you go that kind of so it's actually five days there, but okay. it's it's pretty intensive. Uh, I'm really looking forward to it. And LL Bean, which it was really cool, are are hosting this. They um, actually will give you store discounts. On their classes as well, and there aren't too many people that will do that. So this class is normally, you know, this can run somewhere around eight hundred dollars U.S. Right. And I think I paid under six for it through LL Bean. Wow. So huh. yeah, you know, so you look at it that way, and it's like, well, if I go out and I camp out there, that takes care of my camping fees. It does. So yeah, so I'm thinking about maybe um, I. Uh, one of the things that's really cool about this weekend is uh, I'm getting my tent. I'm getting a nine uh, by eleven and a half uh, short wall hot tent. Um, from who? From Snow, Snow Trekker. Of course. Um, so I'm I'm super excited about that, and um, then I'm going to take that out there with me, and uh, probably stay out there. And then when I'm done with uh, the course, uh, I'm going to head up into Quebec. And then cut down, and I think maybe do some camping, maybe in the Gatineaus. Yeah. Oh, nice. over by Ottawa. Yeah. Uh, it depends. It depends. Like if there's snow, you know, a little farther up north or something, I may drive up to find the snow just for fun. Yeah. But I have I have about a week and a half, I think, between the time the course ends and the Ontario Winter Camping Symposium. So I think I'm just going to kind of drive up north and maybe swing down, make that swing down, you know, yeah. southwest and and then end up at the show. Well, well, you'll have to let us know how the Wilderness First Responder, responder uh, course goes. It'll be very interesting yeah. to see uh, what kind of things they uh, they teach you. I wonder if they run courses like that in Canada. Oh, absolutely. Oh, yeah. 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 It they, they run it through, so L.L. Bean is the host, and Wilderness uh, Medical Associates, I believe, is the name of the overall organization. They, um, they run internationally. So there's a, there's a ton of the classes in Canada. There's, uh, well, in fact, even 
th- that organization had a wilderness first aid class in Japan. And oh, so Tak oh, wow. t- took that. It's That was a two-day course before he uh, went on the Yukon journey. And he loved it. He said it was absolutely great. So, um, so yeah, so I'm, I'm really looking into getting into, you know, digging a little bit deeper into the, into this. And, you know, when you're out for, by yourself, especially, and, and, you know, I may be, may be soloing the, on the Yukon journey this year, um, to, to have that in-depth knowledge, you know, I'm, I'm really excited about. Yeah. It always comes in handy. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah, if I can slice my hand up on a picture frame, <laughs> just think you what need I can all do the out help in the wilderness. Can get. That's right. What can I do in the wilderness for three months? <laughs> Sit in your tent and not move. That's right. Bubble wrap. <laughs> well, that's good to hear, man. It sounds like you're uh, really going to be quite busy for the next month. Yeah. 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 yeah I think there's busy, three man. or four presentations in that time, and. Uh, Super busy, but it's it's exciting, and we're uh, yeah, I'm looking forward to all of it. Good, yeah, I definitely want to hear about uh, the Minnesota one and the uh, your wilderness first responder when you get back. Yeah, definitely. I will be touching base at the uh, Ontario Winter Camping Symposium as well. So yeah, yeah, That'll yeah, be cool. no doubt. Well, we'll likely have our, our booths next to each other in the lobby again. So. Oh, we're not having a booth. We never have a oh. booth at the winter one. Not the winter one. No, we wander oh, really? around aimlessly. Yeah. Oh. Yeah. Wow. So I bring so a recorder and, and record people. Mm-hmm. So it's just Alan Drummond and I that will get up to shenanigans in the lobby. Yes, then. most likely. Shenanigans will be made. <laughs> yes. <laughs> and I should say Alan Drummond of Kingdom Outdoors. Yes. And, Kingdom and Outdoor Products. Can, yep. I'm going to send him a bill for $20 every time I mention that. <laughs> <laughs> oh, discount. <laughs> that's right uh we got a couple messages (laughs) after the last time you were on yes about derek yeah yes i'm the butt of all jokes the tube of (laughs) what was it fish meat the tube Tube of fish fish. tube of fish meat we even got pictures (laughs) tube of whale meat yeah. <laughs> tube of mammal meat is what it should have been. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so anybody out there listening that thought that was funny, you can feel free to make fun of Derek because we do. <laughs> or you can defend me. Or, or you can defend him. Uh, John, the you had the Mennonite speedboat. Yes. Um, Mennonite. And someone told you that sounds like a good name for a band. Yeah, yeah. My old friend Craig, when I was talking about the the guy I'd go out fishing with, and we'd be listening to different music on different lakes. Yeah. Uh, he's he's a musician, and he listened to the to that podcast, and he sent me a note saying, "Mennonite Speedboat. That is a great name for a band." It's like opening yeah. for Ario Speedwagon. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. <laughs> yeah. So you know, I think there's something there. Yeah. You never know, man. I you know I always you know. I always wanted to do Craig. Craig mentioned it once, you know, is get a form a punk band for the sole intention of covering Moon River, a punk version of Moon River. So and, my and son I, was in a screamo band. Okay. We went to one of his gigs one night and there was a couple other bands before them. And if we didn't know 
the tune, we have no clue what they were talking about or singing about. Yeah. But picture or imagine hearing <laughs> this hard metal band just going to town and mm-hmm. the, the, the singer screaming rock lobster. <laughs> we're, we're all looking at each other going, is that rock lobster? That's rock lobster. Rock lobster. <laughs> so I think that punk band singing Moon River. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think it's totally doable. I think so. You know, Craig is Craig's uh, he's a great musician. He's got a studio in his home. I think, you know, uh, Jerry Vandiver goes, uh, Craig lives right off uh, I-90, you know, going up through uh, Illinois and Wisconsin, and and uh, Jerry Vandiver's up here a lot. Maybe we can get, you know, those guys in the studio together, and, and I could realize my dream. Country <laughs> country punk. <laughs> yeah, you go. <laughs> country punk. All right. That'd be awesome. <laughs> um, We were going to do Derek's book club tonight, but we all know Derek doesn't read. <laughs> we got Sean's book club because Sean read another book. Did you? This makes about my 10th book this year. You've had that book for a long time. Your daughter got this, that for you for Christmas or something, right? Yeah, uh, for my birthday a couple of years back, uh-huh. but I lost it. Oh. I got piled in. When I was doing some of my cleaning, it got misplaced. And it recently mm-hmm. surfaced. But I found it recently, so I <laughs> started reading it. Sean's book club this week. Paddle to the Amazon, the ultimate 12,000-mile canoe adventure by Don Starkle. So I read his uh, Paddle to the Arctic uh, book a while back. Um, that was pretty cool. But, uh, yeah, uh, he, he did the, the kayak trip across the Arctic and stuff like that, dragging it and paddling it, getting stuck in ice, almost dying. Frostbite, losing fingers, losing toes. It was a grand adventure. <laughs> great times, great times. We're going on an adventure, Mr. Bilbo. <laughs> <laughs> so my daughter got me this one for my birthday. Misplaced it, found it again. It was during 1980 to 1982. Don and his son Dana paddled from Winnipeg all the way down to the mouth of the Amazon. Um, yeah, so down the Mississippi to New Orleans, down through the Gulf, uh, to Mexico, Belize, uh, they were through the Nicaraguan, Nicaraguan, I can't even say that word, Nicaragua, uh, war zone, Panama Canal. They were actually held at gunpoint in Honduras, into Colombia, Venezuela, Trinidad, uh, into the Orinoco. Uh, Brazil, down the Rio Negro, to the end to the Amazon. I like this book because of the format. It's a diary format. So, like, they give you the date, July 7th, Minneapolis. Uh, mm-hmm. February 24th, Laguna de Tamawawa. Um, Porta Cabezas, Nicaragua, May 31st. <laughs> So the whole book is like that, but it's not like every single day. Okay. You know, so yeah. it'll be like, you know, May 5th, May 13th, May 27th sort of thing as, as they're going, right? Uh, just all the important things that are happening. And it's really cool. They're, the, you know, just the things they're learning about each other and their own battles that they're fighting, as well as the land that they're going through, the rivers, what they're seeing on the rivers, the people they're meeting, and all that sort of stuff. It actually was quite a cool book. I like this one actually better than his Arctic one. 
Um, what does it say? This true story of how a Canadian father and son paddled a canoe from Winnipeg all the way to the mouth of the Amazon. So yeah, a 21-foot canoe, and they were just going to paddle south into the Mississippi and keep going until they reached the Amazon. Now, they did have uh, Dana's brother, Jeff, with them for the longest time. Um, uh, they survived hurricanes, floods, gigantic seas that all dr but drowned them. They had encountered whales, sharks, piranhas, wild pigs, giant bees, and hungry alligators. Eaten taper, paca, shark, heaps of roasted ants. Been arrested, shot at, taken for spies, attacked by pirates. Yet they survived to enter the Guinness Book of World Records for the longest journey ever made by canoe. To record a classic voyage of discovery and self-discovery that you will never forget. It is a really cool book. I'll tell you right now, the ending sucked. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> no, they didn't die. They actually do finish the trip. I mean, otherwise, why would you write it? They all survived because otherwise, how would they get this book done? Uh, yeah, the ending was just sort of all of a sudden yeah sort of thing uh but no it's definitely worth the read that's for sure so i should get myself one i think you should get yourself a <laughs> copy and set it with all the rest of the books you don't you don't read <laughs> so paddle to the amazon by don starkle and, and check you it said out they, you said that he set a guinness uh world record yeah for for a canoe trip twelve thousand miles was he in a banana suit no. So <laughs> I am thinking. I cannot confirm or deny that. I cannot confirm nor deny. But they did eat a lot of bananas because they grow wild, right? Yeah. So they yep. would cut them, put them on the, uh, the, the cover of their canoe. And as the days go by, they would ripen. So they'd be eating bananas while paddling. Nice. Brilliant. Right? Good potassium, yeah. right? Yeah. Yeah the birds don't poop on you, then at least you're getting your potassium through. <laughs> uh, yeah, it's it's a really cool book. This, and, and I mean, if you know your geography of the Americas, um, you can picture exactly where they are and stuff like that, right? And you can picture what he's talking about, about the big waves and stuff like that. And definitely check it out. That's my recommendation. It is a bit of an older book, yeah. of course, but, uh, you know, 1980 to 82 is when they did it. It was published in 87. So 87, 97, 07. So that's like 30 years ago now. Wow. Yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. It is an older book, but it still holds up, you know. Uh, it's, yeah. it's definitely a good read. And like I say, I like it specifically because of the format, the diary format. Oh, you know? yeah, yeah, yeah. So you can say, yeah, this is as it's happening. It's not an actual story. It's a, as it's happening, these are the events that happen day by day, which is a, a pretty cool way to do it. Hmm. Um, the last thing I've got, I don't know, you guys got anything else? No. No? Nothing? Nothing. Okay. I was going to make some closing remarks on uh, John and Keith, but other than that, no. Well, hold on to that. What's that? <laughs> hold on to those. I will. All right. One really last quick thing, just because of the time of year, and we go through this every year, wetsuit, dry suit season. So the National Data Buoy Center, there's actually a buoy in Lake Ontario right off of Ajax here. Okay. And it tells you wind speed, wave height, water temps, air temps, time between waves, water temperature, all that sort of stuff. Mm -hmm. Right now, and you can go online. How do you get it? How do you find it? I've got the website here. I didn't know they had those. Yeah. So is there one off Bowmanville? Oh, it, uh, I don't know. Yeah, your internet isn't working right now. I tried to Google some stuff. I think it's because we're Skyping. 
ndbc.noaa.gov backslash station underscore page dot php. I just Googled you know what? Ajax, Ontario, <laughs> Lake <Yeah>. Ontario. <laughs> you could do that, or you could put a link up on the Padland Adventures radio page. Well, that's what I am going to do. Woohoo! Uh, so yeah, so you can see that you can see the one that's in. Um, yeah, that's fascinating. Just off of Ajax, right? That's so a great that's, tool to have. Yeah. Well, that's, that way you know what, what's what's yeah. happening out there if you want to go paddling. Hmm. Right. I'm. I. That's the only one I ever check. Yeah. So I've not checked any other ones, but yeah, you can find the different ones around. So anyway, it tells you right now that the water temperature is hovering around 54 degrees Fahrenheit or 12 degrees Celsius. Yeah. Cold water situations happen when the water temp drops below 60 Fahrenheit or 16 Celsius. So this definitely is just below that. Cold water situation can occur when the combined air and water temperature is less than 100 degrees Fahrenheit, given the water temperature is above 60. And that time is now. So right now is when you need to be getting into your wetsuit dry suits. Unprotected swimmer will suffer cold shock for one minute. Within 10 minutes, the swimmer will feel numb. Then within an hour, they will succumb to hypothermia if they haven't drowned yet. So that's why you need your wetsuit and your dry suit. Absolutely. Right? Yep. Yep. Wetsuits. Wetsuits are one-piece suits designed to allow a thin layer of water to come in contact with your skin. And they are quite snug fit, therefore the water is kept in contact with your body. The secret to the storage is neoprene. Neoprene is material that forms the construction of the wetsuit itself. So by keeping that water in contact, the suit in turn gets, keeps your body warm. Yeah. yeah. Even though you're wet. Mm-hmm. You know, that thin yeah. layer of water stays warm and keeps you warm. Yeah, it's a great uh, insulator, right? Yeah. Yeah, this is exactly it. And if you need a heat boost, you just pee in your wetsuit. It works. So your legs will get warm. Which is, it works. Which is How why, do you know? why no one rents wetsuits to Derek. Yeah. <laughs> when you or rent, borrows them. When you rent wetsuits, you have to sign paperwork. I was diving up from Tobermory and the rental wetsuits that you have to sign the sheet that you swear that you won't. If, if you peen it, you buy it basically. You have to you have to pay this huge fee to have it specially cleaned so they don't want you peeing in their wetsuits. <laughs> and everybody signs that paper saying, no, I did not. <laughs> exactly. What's, what's the proof? Except for the fact that it'll stink a bit. Yeah. Uh, Wetsuits are historically used for cold water surf sports. Neoprene material allows flexible movement and is quite snug as well. And be aware your wetsuit remains snug. If it gets too loose, you will get cold. It's that snugness, you know, it makes you look like a human sausage or a (laughs) tube of human meat. It shows every wrinkle, every bulge, every cranny, <laughs> everything. Uh, it uses neoprene to trap and hold that thin layer to your body. So as your body heats up the layer, it'll keep you warmer. Thicker the neoprene, the less flexible it tends to be. So if you're looking at doing some paddling, you're looking at doing, you know, moving your upper body yeah, and stuff like yeah. that, you don't want it to be you want too, too tight. Thick. Yeah. You don't want too tight or too thick. Dry suits keep the water completely away from your body by using um, waterproof fabric that covers your neck, wrists, and ankles, and they have gaskets to ensure the body remains waterproof. Gaskets seal tightly against your body and prevent the water from coming in. 
It steals your body around the neck, wrists, and sometimes even ankles. The dry suit is an outer layer. Uh, it's usually a tougher material, so nothing gets in. They have sealed zippers, and you can wear a base or mid-layer underneath it to stay warm. Not all dry suits have um, zippers that oh, you can... Oh, the P-flap. P-flaps, or yeah. whatever you want to call them, yeah. Relief, and, and relief yes, zippers. a relief zipper. Yeah, and that's... that. that I, I can't imagine having to kind of d- disrobe and take the, the wetsuit all the way down just so you can go pee. Yeah. <laughs> it's, yeah, yeah. I'm not even getting to that. Wetsuit versus dry suits. Wetsuits could be the best option for paddling, surfing, swimming, and other activities in waters between 45 and 70 Fahrenheit, which is 7 and 21 Celsius. Dry suit would be the best option when you're kayaking in water temperatures under 45 uh, or in air temperature under 50 or 10 Celsius. Uh, Which, yeah, right now, you're sort of hovering between those ones, but uh, yeah. You're definitely needing a wetsuit right now. Yes. Oh, absolutely. And uh, if Very you late, want right? that extra, you definitely want to go with the the dry suit. Especially yeah. if you're going to be on the water, doing some kayaking, or in the water. Mm-hmm. More effectively, you'll want a dry suit. So, that's, like I say, that's our yearly chat about that. Don't be <laughs> stupid. Get out there. Protect yourself. Don't yeah. be one of those. Don't don't be that don't statistic. Be a statistic. Yes. Yeah. You don't want to be that you know person the, on the news. One of the things too that you know is is that cold water shock response, yeah. right? Where where you go over, and it's it's not about hypothermia or anything like that. It's that that shot of cold water, and you involuntarily inhale. Yes. Right? And yeah. you know you don't have time to die from hypothermia because you've just you know. You'll drown from that. So it's really have to be careful out. (laughs) Yeah. No, if you go over and you go under, yeah, Yeah. that shock, you draw that breath in. You've just filled your lungs with water. Yeah. Very dangerous situation. And that's also the shock. Like when you know that you hear people talk about, well, you know, I'm just going to carry the life jacket next to me. And if I need it, I'll just shrug it on. Well, if you fall into the cold water and you have that involuntary shudder, it's like, what's the control that you're going to have to try and, and shrug on a a life jacket and zip it up after you've fallen into cold water? It's not happening. You got to wear those things. Yeah. And you're trying to, you're trying to tread water at the same time. Yeah. Yes. Right. Right. Yeah. And, and yeah, and, and try to keep a hold of either, you know, your, your kayak or your canoe, your paddle, whatever it might be. And then try to put a, a, a you know, a PFD on at the same time. Yeah. Not happening. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So our yearly uh, warning to everybody, get out there. Don't be a statistic. Don't be that person be we hear about on the news. Be smart. Be, be safe. Be smart. Be safe. Uh, other than that, what do you got to say? Some final words there on your... Uh, Trip. Oh, um, yeah. So uh, first, uh, John, how many stitches did you get? Don't know. I did. You I don't the doctor know and I... how many stitches you got. No, we didn't were you talking... pay for those? <laughs> yeah, it's the American medical system, dude. I'm, I'm going to pay a lot for those. 
<laughs> the other thing I wanted to note is that uh, it, it it was a really fantastic weekend uh, meeting up with uh, John and Keith and and uh, and the boys and meeting uh, John's dad. It was it's like meeting a new family, right? It's uh, it was a it's a really good group of people, and and I just I wanted to thank them for the uh, opportunity to, to join John and Keith on this uh, this weekend fishing trip. It was uh, really appreciated. Cool. Yeah, that's all I got to say about that. Uh, and now John is Backcountry Custom Canoes. Yes, Backcountry Custom Canoes, skin-on-frame canoes. And yeah, go one check kayak. Out. And one kayak. <laughs> oh, he does too. Or is he, he only doing the one now? No, he's uh, he said he refuses to build kayaks anymore. Oh, he's not doing them anymore. It's just too it's, difficult. Yeah, it's too yeah. much work. And yeah, yeah it's pretty. He's, he's going to stick to the canoes. Alrighty. Alrighty, John. Anything else? Um, I would like to invite people to go to. Cold Water Boot Camp, just to kind of follow up what you were just talking oh, about. okay, yeah, 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 yeah. There's a, a site called coldwaterbootcamp.com, and they also have some videos on YouTube to talk about cold water, uh, you know, the effects, what happens, and uh, it's it's actually very interesting to uh, to check out what they've got on there. Cold Water Boot Camp. Yeah. Hmm. Sounds interesting. Yeah. And I guess I should also just thank one more time my new best friend in the whole world, uh, Krista Martineau, <laughs> for uh, <laughs> taking care of me so well up at the uh, at the film fest. Gluing your fingers back together for at least a little while. <laughs> That's right. I, I'm telling you, dude, I would have just got a stapler from the office and stapled that bad boy shut. A little bit of oh, glue, was... a little bit of scotch tape. <laughs> a little bit of Weekend of Bernie's. Yeah. There Whatever. was... Uh, there were so many uh, helpful suggestions like that up there. <laughs> I can uh, imagine. <laughs> and they all they all sort of fell into that same, you know, kind of thing. So, yeah. yeah I don't know what the problem was. I hear you. I hear you. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> all righty. Well, thanks for being on again this week, John. Hey, thank you. And uh, looking forward to hearing from you when you're uh, done all your travels here. Sounds good. In the meantime, if you want to find out more about us, you can find us at paddlingadventuresradio.com. You can find us at Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. We're on iTunes, Spotify, Google Play, Player FM, and all your favorite podcast downloading sites. You can go to paddlingadventuresradio.com and go to the episode page, and you'll be able to stream or download all episodes uh, all the way, way back to number one. Sweet. Is what, number 100, episode 193 tonight. Yay. Uh, check out our YouTube channel. Uh, we are supposed to be getting three oh, videos yes. of your yes. Burt Reynolds Memorial River Run <laughs> up there. Yeah. And if you are interested in doing a guest blog for our website, drop us a line and uh, uh, we'll... Uh, We'll tell us what you want to talk about, and we'll probably say, yeah, send us the information, send us some pictures, and... Yeah, and you win and, a prize. Uh, yeah, big barrel of nothing. <laughs> <laughs> Be the envy of all your friends. <laughs> uh, yeah, no, you know what? I mean, we're we're trying to do it for, you know, our listeners to give them a yeah. place to, yeah, to exactly. put some of their stuff up. Some and, reference uh, materials, you get to share a story, yeah. you get to tell a story. It's great. It is. And uh, yeah, we'll we'll do that. So, sounds cool. Anyway, I'd like to thank everybody for listening this week. I'm Sean Rowley. And I'm Derek Specht. We'll see you next time. <laughs>